welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. been looking at the minor prophets and we've been looking at the God who rebuilds us individually and corporately and unlike the other two weeks that we were just looking at where that passage had been written to the exiles who had already returned from Babylon this passage was written to a group of people who hadn't yet gone into exile in Babylon and while there's judgment involved in this passage Uh, It's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, if I'm allowed to have favorites, and I think I am. Um, And it's the only passage in scripture where it talks about God singing over his people. When you read verse 17, it says that God rejoices over his people with gladness, that he quiets them with his love, that he exults over them with loud singing. And I think it's a fitting passage for the third week of Advent. If you noticed, our candle is rose today, not pink, rose, uh, and um, rather than purple. It's a reminder that the day of the Lord is near. And it's called Gaudete Sunday in the church calendar. Rejoice. That's what that means. Um, We can have hope. We can rejoice because the day of the Lord is drawing near. The hope of this passage from verse 17 is that the Lord is in your midst. That's what it says. What God rebuilds. He also inhabits and then he rejoices in that place that he inhabits. And because God inhabits a people and he rejoices over them, you and I can also rejoice with gladness and that we can also be quieted by his love. And we can also exult with loud singing because God does. And we've all experienced or we're currently experiencing some sense of loss from things of the past, I imagine. Um, But what this passage encourages us to do is to believe and trust in the things that God is doing right now. And amidst the darkness, there is light. And where it might feel like God has abandoned us, we are actually reminded that his silence does not mean his absence. So our Lord rejoices over you with gladness, and he quiets you with his love, and he rejoices over you with singing. And we all have places where it feels challenging to trust that God is actually working good things for us much less to rejoice in what he's actually doing. And so this Sunday challenges us to trust and hope. And I wanted us to have the opportunity this morning to hear from other people uh, besides me in the ways that um, they've experienced what might be described as those places where God's presence and hope has inhabited places of darkness, rebuilt those places that might have felt torn down. And so I'm going to hand over the pulpit this morning to two amazing women. Um, First, we're going to have Becca Elmore, and uh, she's an interior designer, mom of two, and uh, wife to Alex. And she is a scholar in her own right. Uh, And I have uh, just appreciated all the intentional ways that she um, approaches her relationship with God, the ways that she thinks about uh, being a parent and living out the different spheres of her life that, that God's given her. And then we're going to hear from Christy, Christy Betway, 
who started Rock Recovery, an organization that ministers to those who have disordered eating. And uh, she is married to Father Ryan, which uh, you all know. And Christy is an amazing leader. She works tirelessly to serve other people. Uh, And if you've been around her for even one minute, you know that she is a joy to be around. And so thank you, Becca, and thank you, Christy, for sharing your stories um, this morning of God's faithfulness with us. Come on up. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Becca and for Christy, for the ways that you are at work in their lives. Would you be present this morning? Speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Becca. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. When Morgan first asked me to share, the thing that came to mind was our move from Charlottesville to Northern Virginia in August of 2019. We left behind friends, a church, and all the bits and pieces that make up a life a great pediatrician, a babysitter for date nights, a great yoga place five minutes from our house, etc. We came up to Northern Virginia, a place we had lived four years prior, and suddenly felt like strangers in a foreign land. Alex and I started new jobs within a month of each other. We found a home that required quite a bit of settling into, and we started Clara in childcare when she had previously been home with me. In the midst of this transition, we happily found out we were expecting our second child, and I was unfortunately overcome by a particularly nasty bout of first trimester nausea that required medication, and when that ran out, almost a trip to an emergency room. Did I mention that our medical insurance hadn't kicked in yet? (laughs) Then the year turned to 2020, and we all know what that means. I don't say any of this to paint our circumstances as unique, but we felt, in every sense of the word, unmoored. And while many of our circumstances gradually resolved themselves, we found a church at Corpus Christi, settled into our jobs, and welcomed our daughter into our family. Uh, the The pandemic has continued on, and there seems constantly to be news of political and social unrest. People have suffered griefs that don't so easily resolve. And my own anxiety has continued in you know, various other ways. Um, it seems safe to say that an atmosphere of anxiety, of feeling untethered, a general sense of unease has not been uncommon in this time. So what does this have to do with Baudette Sunday, Rose Sunday? a day where the pink candle signifies rejoicing in hope in the coming of our Lord. There are two things that have been helpful to me and that I want to talk about from the passage in Zechariah, Zephaniah, Zephaniah, there we go. Um, (laughs) The first is the Lord is in our midst. God quiets our anxiety with his presence. Um, Like I mentioned, the past few years have left many opportunities for worry and concern. And the other reading from this morning in Philippians says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. God is present with us no matter where we are. If God leads us somewhere, he will also be with us. 
and that is enough to sustain us in our day-to-day lives. But the other thing is that his presence is a comfort to us because of his love. If it weren't for the love of God, his presence would be a cause for concern because with his presence would be judgment. But in his love, he is mighty to save us. And it is because of God's love that we can say, he has taken away the judgments against us. He is in our midst. We will not fear evil. So the the second part from Zephaniah is the sentence, he quiets us with his love. God quiets our anxieties with his love. This fall, I've been reading a book by a French priest whose name I will not attempt up here. Um, And he's reflecting on St. Therese of Lusso's understanding of the love of God. St. Therese lived in the late 19th century and she died at the young age of 24. Despite her youth, she had a profound understanding of the gospel and she spoke often of the simple way to God, namely through Christ. In this book, she speaks of the importance of confidence in the love of God. She says, it is confidence and nothing but confidence which must lead us to love. In other words, our faith. We have faith that God is with us in the storm and that he loves us. Um, In the book, she alludes to the disciples in the storm when they're um, on the boat with Christ and Christ is sleeping. And she says, That is the moment to say to Jesus, you may sleep in my boat, I shall not awaken you. You are hiding yourself, but I know well where you are hidden. I do not feel it, but I know it. I believe in your love for me. Christ is present and Christ loves us. Even when he is hidden, we can have faith. And faith is a gift which is given to us, not something that we feel, but a gift that's given. Uh, God's love for us is not something we earn. It's not something that we aspire to receive. We have it here, now, in the present moment. Um, Another passage from the book says, Right away, in the present moment, I say to Jesus that I know that he loves me and that I love him. His arms, his heart, are always open, and I can take refuge there this instant. So God's love quiets our hearts amidst our present anxieties. The last thing is, what about our future hope? Um, Again, this Sunday being a time to rejoice and hope at his second coming. Like I mentioned, our present day can be full of anxieties. Um, the, The French priest remarks, we worry about everything. The threat of war, political corruption, social relations, family difficulties, children to raise, health, the next day's bread, the future of our loved ones, etc. How can we not ask at every turn, what is going to happen? How will this turn out? So while God is hidden from us now, he has given us faith. Faith to believe in his presence. Faith to have confidence in his love. And faith to look to his second coming, and in this we can rejoice and hope. Good morning, everyone, and Morgan, thank you for your very kind words. Um, So 
I'm kind of a one-trick pony. This is a thing I often share about is my own recovery from an eating disorder, so thanks for teeing me up, Morgan. But when Morgan asked us to think about one area of weakness that God has turned into praise, that was the obvious thing that came to mind for me. I struggled with food and my body image for a little bit over a decade, and it was a very ongoing and all-consuming struggle for me for a very long time. And the beauty now is that now that I'm fully healed and recovered, I do get to see God's redemption as I pour into others and help them on their own journeys at my work at Rock Recovery. So it's interesting. My struggle with food and body started as what felt like the greatest thing I could control and my greatest source of strength, and then slowly warped into the thing where I felt entirely weak and helpless and out of control. I hadn't realized that I was pursuing a false idol of thinness and control, trying to make a god out of my own life and my own security and stability completely apart from the Lord. It started innocently enough, as it does for a lot of people, as a desire just to lose a little bit of weight. There's a lot of pressure in the world for our bodies to look a certain way, and I thought, you know, I can't control a lot, but this, this I can do. And again, it spiraled, and I felt completely helpless and out of control. I'm grateful in so many ways for my struggle because I think without it, I never would have turned to the Lord. I came to faith after college a little bit later in life, and my recovery was actually a huge part of what brought me to the Lord. And I don't think I would have ever fully surrendered. A lot of days, I still don't fully surrender to the Lord. But if I hadn't felt so helpless and weak and out of control. So God's power really was made perfect in my weakness, like we're reminded from 2 Corinthians Um, I was not yet a Christian when I sought recovery. I stumbled upon a church in Charlotte, North Carolina that was running this course called New ID that was all about developing a new identity in Christ. And while I didn't think I had a problem or an eating disorder, the course was focused on finding full freedom from an eating disorder. I thought, you know, this course might help me lose a little more weight and be more in control. How great will that be? And so I like to joke that God tricked me, but... I wound up signing up, and even though I didn't think I had a problem, very quickly I realized that I did. So the first night, we cover scripture, there's teaching and testimonials and stories of recovery, and the first night after I attended New ID, I came home and my roommate found me just surrounded by all my old journals. I've been journaling since I was eight. They get a little better, you know, as time goes on, but I've been journaling for a really long time, and I thought, wow, I'm in this horrible destructive pattern, I better get myself out of it. And it became very, very clear very quickly, I could not get myself out of it. And so the beauty of New ID is that there is a scripture every night, and this was a new idea for me to think about how God might work in my life, that it's not all up to me, that I don't have to be perfect. And so the first week of New ID, the scripture is from Romans chapter 7, where Paul talks about, I do not know why I do what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And I don't know what you all have struggled with, but for me, that just hit me. It felt like the exact daily struggle I was experiencing. I felt weak. I felt helpless. I wanted to do the right thing, and I was just stuck in these patterns. I had just started getting a scripture a day emailed to me, and the next day, I opened up my email, and that was the scripture that was shared. And I remember just weeping in my little bedroom in Charlotte, North Carolina, And my roommate came in and she's like, girl, it's 8 a.m. How are you crying already? What's happened? Like, What's going on? And that was the moment where I realized God's real and God cares and God wants to do something in my life. So that really changed everything for me. That was where I think I really surrendered to the Lord and realized my weakness is no longer a bad thing. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to get it right. God will meet me. 
and God met me. There were so many days where I was so frustrated. I remember being in my therapist's office crying, being like, three-year-olds are better at this than me. Like, literal children are better at eating than me. Like, why is this so hard? How have I gotten so out of touch with my body? Like, what's going on? And she helped me work through the practical steps of recovery. But what really made the biggest difference were these moments where we think about from our passage today, where the Lord rejoiced over me with gladness, quieted me with his love, exalted over me with singing. I felt God's tangible presence with me, and that was made all the difference. You know, there were the steps to take, there were the practical things to do, but just those moments where I just sat and cried and believed and was weak and was really helpless, those were the things that made all the difference for me. And so I now have been recovered for almost 15 years. And as I think about the prompt that Morgan gave us, Father Morgan gave us, on is there a particular place of weakness that God has turned into praise? I mean, this is it for me. Um, I now feel really at peace with my body, even my very changing pregnant body. <laughs> Lots of changes going on, guys. Um, but it just feels like after years of captivity and just confusion and feeling trapped and weak, it's so great to feel this freedom and this redemption. And one of my very favorite things to do is to break bread and share a meal with friends now. After so many years of avoiding people, wanting to eat alone, wanting to not eat at all, skipping meals with friends, being totally isolated and totally afraid around my body and food, it's amazing to just feel at peace and sit at a table and sit with friends and break bread. And that's something we really value here at Corpus Christi as well. I love that breaking bread is part of our community culture. And I just finished reading through the Gospel of Luke and reread the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus when they were chatting with Jesus after his resurrection, but they didn't recognize him at first. But it says here in Luke, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes opened and they recognized him. And it just reminds me of the power that happens when we do break bread together in community. We're exposed we're vulnerable, and we're able to share and connect in our joy. And those are the things that really help build and foster community. So for me, I'm very grateful for that. After many years of feeling like food was a curse, I'm grateful that I now see it as a God to be, as a gift from God to be received with thanksgiving, and that we get to model that together here. Thank you, both um, Becca and Christy. It's so good to hear about God's faithfulness um, in your lives. And it's one of the joys of of being a small church together is to have these opportunities to just share with one another. Like, how is God at work uh, as you process the things that we're hearing in the scriptures and and just doing life, right? And so I, I appreciate both of you in the ways that you are just Uh, open with us this morning and sharing about God's faithfulness. Let me pray for us, and then we will um, join together in the Nicene Creed. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, we give you thanks, we give you praise that you do exult over us with singing, you rejoice in your people, you quiet us with your love. Lord, would you do that? And would you give us these places as Um, As Becca and as Christy shared, that we get to enter in with you into that joy and rejoicing. Um, Lord, turn our shame into praise. May there be a day coming soon where we uh, that we have hope in your second coming. Lord, help us to sing uh, with you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.